All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a prick in the neck. This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar. Thank you so much for joining us here uh, at the Magic on a Dollar podcast where we're going to talk about Disney World for about 30 minutes. We might throw in some Disneyland. Of course, we also like to to broaden our scope to Disney uh, cruises and adventures by Disney and Alani in Hawaii and maybe even some Harry Potter when the news comes up. But mostly it's about Disney World because, you know, that's my home. I got a friend of mine who asked me the other day, and, and I actually get this question frequently, hey, what do you like better, Disneyland or Disney World? And I have an answer for that. And I will tell, I will tell them, and I will tell you this, uh, since you know, we're friends, it's just us. Um, I love Disneyland. I do. I love Disneyland. It's, it's small. It's different. If, you, if you're used to Disney World, when you step into Disneyland, you're like, wow, honey, I shrunk the park. Uh, because it's very tiny, you can actually stand in in Liberty Square and reach your hand out and touch Frontierland. It's right there, or Adventureland. It's right there. It's separated by like a wall of bamboo. Um, because it's a very small part because of where it's located, and of course we've you know there's some history to that. But I love Disneyland because it's very historical. Walt Disney walked there. When I walk down Main Street, well, I don't get emotional over things like this. I don't necessarily like, cry over fireworks and things like that. So it's not like I'm, I'm weeping in the streets, curled up like a like you know in the fetal position on on a manhole cover in front of the castle. But I do get a little sentimental because I walk down Main Street at Disneyland, and I'm like, Walt Disney's footsteps were right here. He walked on this road, and you go by the firehouse there. There's like a little apartment there. They keep a light up, uh, light on over the over the firehouse at all times to kind of signify Walt Disney. Because he was there, and that was one of his apartments. And he would come down, and he would make fresh squeezed orange juice in his apartment. And he would come down and give the give the orange juice to the workers while they worked on Disneyland. And, you know, he talked to everybody. He walked around the park in his bathrobe early in the morning as the park was being built. So there's a historical presence that's there, and it's just it's wonderful. But there's always a big but, as Sir Mix a lot will tell us. I love Disney World. That is my home. That is the home park I know because I know it so well. I'm so familiar. And maybe if I moved out to Anaheim and I went to Disneyland all the time, maybe the tide would turn for me and maybe I would end up liking Disneyland more. But Disney World is my home. All four parks, the two water parks, the, Dis- the down- or, uh, Disney Springs area, all the 30 resorts, the whole property itself. There's such a mystical, magical thing about Disney uh, Disney World. To me, you can't get to Disneyland. You, you drive on Disneyland property. Of course, you know, you're, you're driving around. There's hotels everywhere. You can see the outside world. Disney World, you drive on the property, and it's this bubble. It's this beautiful, magical bubble that once you're in there, you have the option of not knowing anything about the outside world. Uh, my wife will tell me to not even turn the news on. Don't even watch the news. Don't even watch sports. You're on vacation, which I will sometimes watch sports, and occasionally I'll follow along with the news on Twitter or something. But, um, but Disney World is my home. And, uh, and I love it. I kind of liken it to if you head out to maybe a cousin's house over the summer and you love your cousin and you love the house and, you know, the cousin, your aunt and uncle are just super duper nice and you spend a week there with your cousin and when you're a kid, you know, and you have a good time. They got a, they got like a rock slide and the, uh, uh, or a water slide in the, in the backyard. There's like a rock climbing wall over here in the corner and there's down the street and everything's an ice cream shop that you and your cousin go hang out at and have ice cream and hot days. And it's just a lot of fun. 
But after a little while, you're like, you know, I kind of miss being home where things are familiar and I know where things are all the time. And if I want to go grab a butter knife from a biscuit, I know exactly what drawer to open and that kind of thing. Same thing with Disneyland or Disney World. If I need to go to Band-Aid or something at Disney World, I know exactly where to go in every park. You go to the First Aid Center, I know where they are. You go there at Disneyland, I'm like, uh, excuse me, cast member, I got to cut on my finger. What can I do with it? What can I do with this? So that's kind of the, that's kind of how I look at it. I love Disney World. Um smidge more than Disneyland. Now, I do have people that ask me what my favorite park is at Disney World. They'll say, uh, you know, what's your favorite park? Epcot or Hollywood Studios or maybe Animal Kingdom. But what about Magic Kingdom? Now, that's a question that's hard to answer because it really depends on the day. I would imagine, you know, if you have if you have multiple children, we only have one, but I would imagine if you have multiple children, you know, you love them all equally, but maybe you like them a little bit more depending on the day. You like this one more than that one, just for today. Tomorrow, you'll like that one a little bit more than this one. I, I would imagine that's how it is. And don't 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 at me and tell me, oh, I like all my kids the same. You don't. It's okay. Uh, I've grown up around children, and I've been I've been part of a bigger family, so I understand how. You know what? We're loved equally, but sometimes you like a little bit more this one than that one. That's just kind of how that works. So that's a long introduction to tell you. Welcome to the Mod Pod. Um, Real quick, I do want to encourage you, the best way to help a podcast, not just my podcast, which I want you to help mine too, uh, dear audience, uh, but the best way to help a podcast is to do one of a couple of things. First, go into iTunes and go review the show. Go review the show. Leave a little quick review. Hey, great show. Good show. Fun times. Lots of news. Lots of fun. Blah, blah, blah. Um, you, you can say all that or just say a few words of those. And then leave a, leave a star rating. That's how we, the show gets noticed. That's how it kind of climbs the rankings of the podcast rankings. If you go to what's hot right now, you click on it. You can kind of scroll down and see kind of the shows that get a lot of ratings. You know, you go to the all podcast part. You scroll all the way down. You'll see the ones at the bottom that never get talked about. Um, and, you know, I've been a part of those podcasts before. And you'll want something, you know, you want your podcast up there somewhere. So go there. Go to iTunes. Also, tell a friend about your show. Say, hey, I got this friend of mine. Uh, you know what? Maybe he's not my friend. I just know the guy through podcasting. But he seems like a cool guy with good hair. Um, I got a friend of mine who does the the Disney, uh, the Magic on the Dollar podcast. You should listen to that podcast. It's awesome. It's Disney news and Disney fun. He just talks about Disney for 30 minutes, and it's a little magic break of your day. So tell a friend about it. Also, social media, share the stuff. You see it on Facebook. You see it on Twitter. Just you know, click share. Click retweet. Say, hey, you guys should listen to this show. And I appreciate all those people who have done all of those things. It's a great way to, to, great way to get the show known. Uh, I also have another podcast called The Deuce Cast Movie Show. You can find that on iTunes, and I'd love for you to listen to that one as well. And i got a friend of mine and a couple of buddies, actually. We talk about movies and stuff, so a little cross-promotion there. So let's get to some Disney World news. Without, uh, without further ado, I've been rambling on for six minutes now about other stuff that doesn't even matter. Let's talk about some Disney news with your news around the world. Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. First up, Hollywood Studios confirming, for the most part, I say confirming with kind of air quotes, confirming that the name will not change. Now, what does this mean? A couple of years ago, that Bob Iger was coming out talking about all the changes upcoming for Hollywood Studios. Now, which is true, the animation department hasn't been there for a while. The Sorcerer's Hat came down. And then, so there's a lot of things happening in Hollywood Studios. And, of course, the Star Wars land is coming up, and they're building new things, and so on and so on. And so the rumor was... That Hollywood Studios was not going to exist as the name. It was going to be called something else. Now, back if you remember in 2007, they changed it from Disney MGM Studios to Hollywood Studios because that was the original name. They did a they did a little co-op uh, co with MGM, uh, the film studio, in 1989. It was Disney MGM Studios. 2007, it changed to Hollywood Studios. There are still people that call it MGM 11 years later. 
11 years later still MGM. That's a hill that I die on. I'm like, I'm ready to die on that hill. It is not MGM. It is a Hollywood studio. So you've had 11 years. Come on. But last summer, they actually sent out a survey to people to say, hey, here's some names. What do you think about these names? These names included Kaleidoscope Park, Storyverse Park, Hyperia Park, Beyond Park, Legends Park, XL Park. It's actually X and L. I don't know if it means extra large or whatever, but XL Park, Cinemagic Park, and Cinemagine Park. Now, I will be honest with you, I'm not wild about any of those names, and nobody else was either because they kind of scrapped all of those. Uh, Cinemagic actually, or Cinemagine actually, was the one that was kind of leading the pack. I think Hollywood Adventure was something kind of right behind that, kind of in terms of if we're going to change the park, let's change it to one of these two. Bob Iger has, however, come out and said in recent days they're not going to change the name of Hollywood Studios for the foreseeable future, which I'm hoping they won't because nobody will call it by the new name. It just, they just won't. Trust me, they, they won't. People still call Downtown Disney, uh, Downtown Disney all the time. Now it's Disney Springs. Uh, it's going to take years to change that. And not only that, if you think about it, Hollywood Studios is everywhere in terms of name recognition because it's all over the... If you go down to Disney World, you're going to see things on... You're going to see signs on, on the side of the freeway. You're going to see signs, Hollywood Studios with arrows and stuff. You're going to see it plastered all over everything. It's going to cost so much money to change all of that to, you know, Cinemagic Park or Cinemagic Park. And nobody can even say Cinemagic Park because people will call it Cinemagic and even that name is dumb. So Hollywood Studios is going to remain Hollywood Studios for their foreseeable future. And money's a big deal, probably probably one of the reasons they're going to keep it that way is for money. They don't want to have to spend the money to change everything. And also, what's happening, too, in terms of money is that's one of the rumored reasons that they are either canceling or delaying for a while the Main Street Theater that was going to go into Magic Kingdom. Now, as you walk to Magic Kingdom, for those of you who've been there, if you look off of the corner, you'll see City Hall there. That's where the camera shop is. You can also meet Tinkerbell and Mickey Mouse. And over to the left side of that, that City Hall there, on the corner of Main Street, you're going to see the bakery that's there. Love that bakery right there behind the bakery. It's a little shop that do stitching and things like that. Um, over in that little corner the, where the cast member area is, where you're not really allowed to go, that was going to be the Main Street Theater. What they were going to do is they're going to build a big theater uh, to to basically house stage shows, to do productions and things like that. You can go in and, and do some fun stuff there in the theater. But they canceled it. There's really no way to know why Disney canceled such of this project. But um, there's a lot going on at Disney World right now. If you haven't been recently, uh, they're building Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which basically is doubling the size of Hollywood Studios as it stands. That's Star Wars Land. They're doing Mickey and Minnie's Railway Runaway, which is a ride going into uh, Hollywood Studios, going into the Great Movie Ride area. The Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster and the Ratatouille ride is actually going into Epcot. They're going to build the Tron roller coaster, which they started on that over in Magic Kingdom as well. So a lot is happening. They're building the gondolas that's going to connect a couple of the resorts and Epcot and Hollywood Studios. They're building a brand new resort over there in Epcot. I think it's called the Riviera Resort, but they may call it something else. They're also building a Star Wars hotel. They haven't broken ground on that. That's probably coming in a year or two. Uh, they'll start building that. But there's a lot going on at Disney World. If you listened last week, you heard about the animatronics with the heads falling off. And so... Um, and so, you know, that's happening at, at, at all over the, you know, at the parks and stuff. So they're having to rebuild some things, having to fix some things. And, you know, the overall state of the parks is they need to do some improvements. They need to spend some money on these things. Plus, they just spent $55 billion to buy Fox, uh, 21st Century Fox. So having said that, if they're looking at their budget, this is probably a project they can delete. They can probably exit out. Um, I hate that because I would have loved to have seen the theater, but that's kind of what it looks like so far. Now, if you're listening to this on Tuesday or anytime after that, more than likely, well, I, I don't know how you would have listened to it early, but 
this coming up weekend, or for you, listener, would be last weekend, Disney World raised prices. That's the rumor that's happening that Disney World Magic Kingdom tickets are going to go up from 107 to 109 or for value. Uh, for peak to 124 to 129 that's 130 bucks a day for Magic Kingdom. Um, the other prices, and the way that it's tier pricing, Magic Kingdom costs a little bit more than Hollywood, Epcot, and Animal Kingdom because it's a much more popular park, obviously. Park opera option is going to go up. The multi-day tickets are going to go up. The annual passes are going to go up in price just a few dollars here and there. So it's not a ton, but you know, if you're a family of five and you're buying five peak tickets to Magic Kingdom, your price just went up $25. Um, so it's not necessarily a small, simple, you know, a small, simple little thing. Uh, and this happens every year around every February or so. And the rumor, of course, is that they're going up, they're going to go up on February 11th. I believe this rumor. It might not be this weekend. Maybe they'll change it to the next weekend. But prices will go up if they haven't already by the time you listen to this. Now, that brings a question that I have been having. I've asked this question a long time because I don't really know the answer to it. How much is too much? Uh, how much in ticket prices can you raise a ticket price before it's just like it's done? Um, peak season for Magic Kingdom, that's holidays. Let's say you wanted to go on Christmas Day. For, for God only knows why you wanted to go to Magic Kingdom on Christmas Day with you and your family of five. That's 130 bucks for five tickets uh, per ticket. That's a lot of money for you. I mean, that is a whole lot of money. I'm going to pull up my handy-dandy calculator here and just look at that price. But 130 times 5, that's $650 plus tax. You're now paying $700 for your family of five. Go to Disney, go to Magic Kingdom for one day. Oh, my goodness. Now, the reason they do this, and Universal does this too, so don't, 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 uh, uh, don't start harping on Disney without looking at Universal because what happens is Disney, Rail, Disney World will raise their prices and a few days, and everybody goes crazy about how expensive Disney World is and Walt would be rolling over in his grave and so on and so on. A few days later, Universal will kind of up their prices a couple bucks without anybody knowing. SeaWorld, their prices will go up a little bit. Legoland's prices will go up a little bit. Busch Gardens' prices will go up just a little bit. But Disney goes first and so everybody goes after Disney. But how expensive it is and this is horrible and they're pricing out the middle class and so on and so on. They're not. This is, what, this is just what happens. It's called inflation. you know. But you have to ask the question, how much is too much? And I don't know the answer to that question. At some point, they're going to look at Magic Kingdom and they're going to see the attendance, which grows every year. They're going to see the attendance start dropping a little bit here and there or evening out because people don't want to pay with a big price. Now, having said that, Walt Disney World and Universal are very similar in the same mentality. That they really don't want you to go for one day. They just don't. They would love to have you. But if they had their druthers, they don't want you there for one day. They want you there for a week. Um, the, the, the tagline is, the more you play, the less you pay per day. Meaning, you buy a one-day ticket for 130 bucks. another a two-day ticket is not going to cost you $260. It's actually going to cost you something in the neighborhood of, like, $210. So you've gone for a second day for only, like, 80 bucks. A three-day ticket is going to be, like, I don't know. 275 280 so you're only paying like 70 bucks by the time you get that nine day ticket to go for a 10th day it's going to cost you like 12 dollars. so the more you pay the more you play the less you pay per day that's kind of how the ticket pricing works because they want you to come for multiple days because if you come for multiple days guess what you're probably staying on property and so that's kind of a big big deal there too because they got you in that disney bubble it's marketing it's merchandising and that kind of thing so that's kind of how it looks but ticket prices probably have gone up by the time you hear this and so uh uh, we'll ask the question, how much is too much? I'm sure you'll hear that question asked at, at various Disney sources. And, and the answer to that question is, I have no idea. So the minivans. Now, we've talked about this before. Minivans, 
There was these really cute little little minivan SUVs, and they've got polka dots all over them, and some of them have bows on top. And they're basically um, they're they're kind of transit. You can go wherever you want to go from from one resort to another. And they've opened these up. Um, really, it was initially it was only available at the Yachtin Beach Club and the Boardwalk Resort, but they've rolled out to the Wilderness Lodge, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Grand Floridian, Polynesian Contemporary, Old Key West, Saratoga, which are all the deluxes, and Caribbean Beach Resort. And now they're going to roll out over to Pop Century Resort. And what this basically means is instead of taking a bus, you can call and schedule a minivan. And for 20 bucks for the whole vehicle, it doesn't have to be per person. For, 12, for the whole vehicle, they will take you from one place to another. Which is really great because if you are, let's say you're at Pop Century and, you know, you have a, a Cinderella, you know, you have a Chef Mickey breakfast at the Contemporary, which is across property, um, at 7.30 in the morning for you and your family of five. Um, and you want to go to, uh, you know, Chef Mickey and, uh, you know, you're trying to figure out how to get there because the park doesn't open, till, Magic Kingdom doesn't open until 9. This contemporary sits right by the Magic Kingdom, so theoretically you could take a bus to the Magic Kingdom and then just walk to the contemporary or take the monorail to the contemporary. It's not very hard, right? But it's hard to get there because it's still early in the morning, the buses aren't running yet, you call them anything. Pay 20 bucks for your family of five, you zip over there, and you're good. Now, it's not a round-trip thing. They're not going to wait for you. It's not like a taxi service kind of thing. Well, it is kind of like a taxi, actually, um, but it's 20 bucks. It's cheaper. So this is a great deal. This is a wonderful deal. However, they're also going over to the airport where you can actually um, catch a minivan from the airport to your resort or to your resort to the airport. Now, they're only offering this in club-level uh, resorts, the deluxe resorts, like the Beach Club and like the Yacht Club and like the Polynesian and things like that. So you have to be a club level, so you're already paying big bucks for this. But this trip will cost you $150. Now, 20 bucks to go from resort to resort, fantastic. My family of three would probably do that in a heartbeat because if we had an early morning breakfast, we had to get there. We would just do it. It would be great. 150 bucks for an airport transportation, you've got to be out of your mind. There's no way I would pay for that, and I don't really know who would. This is actually a testing thing. The minivans actually have rolled out for good. They're going to be rolling out to each resort over time, so that's here to stay. The 150 bucks transport from the airport is going to be a test. I have a feeling that test is probably going to fail because I just don't know who's going to pay for that, right? That's a lot of money. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Toy Story Mania Fast Passes. I went to do one this morning for a client. Early this morning, I got up at 5.45 this morning, logged on at 6 in the morning to do their Fast Passes for their six-day trip coming up in April. This is what I do as part of my service, by the way. While they sleep, I took care of all their Fast Passes. I've already taken care of all their, di- taken care of all their dining. It's all done. Toy Story Mania Fast Passes were not available. And I'm thinking, why in the world are they sold out? Oh, my goodness. This is crazy. Why would they be sold out? Well, here's why. In April, we're finding out that they are doing some construction on the Toy Story tracks because Toy Story Land is opening up in May, opening up late May, early June. Well, there's no official date on that, but this news will let me, will basically will tell me that it's going to probably be opening up at the end of May. They're going to be closing one of the tracks. There's three tracks for Toy Story. They're closing one to open it up to kind of do some construction on it. And because of that, they're not going to have any fast passes for Toy Story Mania for April and probably much of May, which is insane, by the way, because Toy Story Mania is one of the most popular rides on property. It's a great ride. It's a wonderful ride. It's kind of a 3D ride. You go in, you get into, you're shrunken down, quote unquote, to the size of a toy. You sit in the little seat there, and you have a little little gun with a little drawstring on it. And as you pull the string, it shoots little little virtual like pellets onto the screen. And they have like ring tosses. They have like you're throwing balls at plates and that kind of thing. And the Toy Story characters are all there. I love the ride. It's one of my three favorite rides on property. But wait times for this ride will get to 90 minutes, 2 hours, sometimes more than that. And in April, they're going to close the Fast Passes for it, which is crazy. So that's going to be a lot of fun for you guys. Good luck if you're going to Toy Story Mania. That's going to be 
nuts. So there's your news from around the world. Let's talk about some Disney history real quick. Some kind of fun stuff from Disney history. This week in 2009, Disney's Hollywood Studios celebrated the grand opening of its brand new attraction, the American Idol Experience. Uh, guest park Vanessa Cuello, a 16-year-old from St. Petersburg, Florida, took home the first ever dream ticket uh, with her rendition of No One by Alicia Keys. Um, the dream ticket basically was if you won American Idol Experience for the day, you were given a ticket. And that golden ticket lets you go to any American Idol tryout. And you would go to the front of the line. You wouldn't have to wait in that six and seven or eight hour line or however long the lines were. Um, this is 2009. American Idol was still at its peak. Um, and essentially, they would experience you go in there and you sit in a seat and your 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 seat on the handles have little numbers on them. So you're able to punch numbers and stuff. And you have three contestants that would come up. And uh, and so those they would do your singing. You had the three quote unquote judges and one mean judge like Simon, one sweet judge, and then you had one like dog, yo dog, that's awesome dog. I mean, it was essentially copying Randy, Paula, and Simon, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and you would vote on which one you wanted. So at the end of the show, you would pick the number that you wanted to win. And that person would come out and, uh, you know, we'd have to clear a winner. And all the winners from all the day's performances would come back and have, like, an end-of-the-show kind of performance. you perform at the end of the show, or the, the last show of the night, and they give that winner. You pick the one you want to win of the whole day, and you get that, that winner gets a gold of the tickets. Um, this was a fun attraction for a little while because at the very beginning, of course, they were doing tryouts and, and as you walked by, they're like, hey, well, let's try it for the American Idol experience. And they were having tryouts all day long, seven shows. They were up to seven shows at one point. They were having great fun with that. Towards the end of it, I think it closed maybe 2015, 2016, something like that. Uh, maybe actually 2015, that sounds right. Um, but towards the end of it, however, they were really struggling to get people to come try out. Um, I will tell you, a friend of mine, went, we went out in 2009, in October of 2009, myself and my brother-in-law and some of his friends, we all kind of, five guys hanging out. And we all went down there and, and kind of had some fun at Disney World. And uh, one of the, one of the guys in our group tried out for the American Life Experience. And he, had, he, got, he got picked. He got accepted. He sang a version of Sweet Home Alabama. Because, you know, we're in Alabama. That's what you do. Free bird! Um, and so we swing, he, sang that, he sang that song, got accepted. And it's kind of a long process. I mean, you basically have to go back to like twice and you have to get, you know, you have to practice with a, with a coach. And then you have to come back later at a certain time and before you go on. Then you actually have to show itself. If you get picked, you have to come back again to work with a coach. And then you have to actually do the show itself. So if you're at Hollywood Studios for just one day, that's a lot of your day gone. Um, that's a lot of your day gone already. And that's half your day is, is disappearing. And that's even when Hollywood Studios had a bunch of stuff open. Uh, so you still had a lot of stuff to do. It's a fun show, but towards the end of the day, they couldn't find – I don't think they could find the people to try out. I think they were really, really getting people, like begging people to come on. And the quality of the contestants wasn't really there. I went to one of the later shows and before it closed, and I will tell you that – the. Yeah, some of the sh people weren't as good as you'd want them to be when they're trying out for a reality show. And I think that's just because their standards, their barrier for what's acceptable to perform on stage was a little lower in 2015 than it was in 2009. So anyway, it, it opened up in uh, 2009. So it was kind of a fun thing. I really, really enjoyed it. That's where the Frozen Sing-Along Celebration is now. If you go to Hollywood Studios, the Frozen Sing-Along sing -along Celebration is, is located there now. It's a great program. It's a great show. I love the Frozen show. If you ever have a chance to go... The Hollywood Studios, go see this show, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really care for Frozen that much. doesn't matter. Go. It's hilarious. You have narrators that make the show worth it. The jokes fly fast and free. The audience, they, they think about people in the audience. They talk, about, they talk about people in the audience, and 
And, you know, some of the jokes go over the kids' heads, so they're, they're, they're for the adults, which is kind of fun, but, uh, but it's kind of fun. So this week in 1950, or 68 years ago, Disney's animated feature film Cinderella came out. And this is the one that saved the Walt Disney Studios. The 12th in the Walt Disney Animated Classic Series, the film was based on the fairy tale Cinderella by Charles Pearl. When the plotline, of course, Cinderella's wicked stepmother, Lady Tremaine, prevents her from attending the royal ball, she gets some unexpected help from the lovable mice Gus Gus and Jacques, and uh, some of the other mice and some of the other animals from her fairy godmother shows up and helps her out as well. Eileen Woods was the voice of Cinderella, and Eleanor Audley was the voice of Lady Tremaine, and you might recognize her later because she was the future voice of Madame Leota for the Haunted Mansion attraction. If you ever go into Haunted Mansion and you see that, that ball that goes up and down and up and down right in the middle of the crystal ball with a head in it, uh, and you hear the voice, that's Madame Leota, that's Lady Tremaine. And uh, also, Mike Douglas, who was a talk show host later on, was the uncredited singing voice of Prince Charming. Um, Disney actually had great music in there. A Dream is a Wish, Your Heart Mix was in, uh, part of that. Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo was in that. And So This Is Love. Cinderella is one of the top grossing films of 1950 and was nominated for three Academy Awards. A great movie. And it really did save the, uh, it really saved the, the Walt Disney Company because, you know, they did great with Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Bambi. The World War II hit, and it was really a tough time for them because, you know, tough time for the country, basically, in a lot of areas. Uh, the animator strike happened in the 40s. They were doing a lot of smaller comp composite films. Um, uh, three, three Cabrios is like that. Uh, Saludos Amigos, So Dear to My Heart, Make My Music. All of those Disney classic movies, which are considered part of the canon, they all have short stories in them. Short stories like Babes in Toyland and Bongo and, um, you know, The Three Little Pigs and, and those kind of things. They're all part of the short little stories. So you go see Make My Music and you see three stories instead of, you know, one cohesive long script. And that's what they had to do because of money purposes. And so Cinderella came out and made a lot of money. It was very, very popular, and that really kind of put the studio back in the back of the black. And uh, was able, Walt Disney was able to actually go on and do some of the stuff, including five years later, open up a little place called Disneyland over in Anaheim, California. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. If you're listening to this on the release day, then I do believe that Valentine's Day actually is tomorrow uh, on Wednesday. This release is on a Tuesday morning, so Valentine's Day is on a Wednesday. I wanted to kind of give you my favorite Disney couples now. I'm a softie at heart. I do love a good rom-com, and Disney has plenty of them. Especially if you look out to their outer, the outer rims of their of their 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 movie collection in terms of Touchstone Pictures, and you know the older some of the some of the earlier Miramax pictures and things like that. Well, I don't know if Miramax is going to be rom-commy, but Touchstone Pictures, things like that. So you'll see some of that out there. Um, but I wanted to kind of give you my top ten Disney couples and see if you agree with me here. Maybe you maybe you will, maybe you won't. And by the way. Uh, some of the more popular ones are probably not going to be on my list because this is my favorite. So let me give you number 10. Number 10 is Chicken Little and Abby Mallard from the movie Chicken Little in 2005. I love Chicken Little. It's such an underrated classic. It's so much fun. Um, Abby Mallard is, of course, the ugly duckling that will grow up to be a beautiful swan. Chicken Little is is a little shorter, you know, and kind of scrawny and everything. He's kind of the nerdy kid, nerdy chicken, I guess. Uh, they're at... Um, they're in, in his chicken school and his animal school, and of course you call the animals. My favorite character out of that is actually Fish Out of Water, which is a fish that runs around with a kind of a diver's helmet on his head, so there's water in the helmet, Fish Out of Water. Uh, the movie is great. And at the very end of it, of course, Chicken Little finally gives Abby Mallard a big kiss, uh, a, big, a big kiss, and of course she just melts into the seat because she's had a crush on the whole time. I love these two. I love this movie. It's a really, really sweet movie. My number nine favorite Disney couple uh, is, this is going to be a little surprising, Troy Bolton and Gabriella Montez. Now, stop. Stop. Don't turn it off here. Don't stop. Uh, yes, I still have credibility. I'm sorry if you think I don't. I do. 
But let me give you my reasons. High School Musical 3, if you've never watched High School Musical 3, I will tell you it is corny. It is cheesy. It is not for everybody. It is not. And I didn't like this movie when it first came out. I certainly didn't like the first the first two, one and two. I thought both were just bad. I've actually seen one. I've seen part of two. I don't ever want to watch part four, which is a Disney Channel movie. One and two and four were all Disney Channel movies. Three was a theatrical production. It was kind of called, it was called Senior Year. Uh, the music in this is pretty good. Um, the acting is kind of, you know, but it's one of those guilty pleasures. I see it on TV and I just stop and watch it because it's, it is a guilty pleasure of mine. Now, with Disney movies, there's not a whole lot of Disney, quote-unquote, guilty pleasures because most Disney movies that come out are either good or they're bad. There are some Disney movies I just don't want to watch again, but um, but I like I don't like Hunchback and Bocondas. To me, those are bad, bad movies. People will argue with me and they'll tell me how good they are. I just don't like them. But High School Musical 3 Senior Year is a, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a guilty pleasure. And I love it very, very much. Um, and, and Troy is the main character, voiced by Zac, done by Zac Efron. Of course, Gabriel Montez is Vanessa Hudgens. My favorite song in the whole thing is a song called Right Here, Right Now. You're going to think it's totally cheesy, but it's Valentine's Day, so open your heart a little bit. And this is what it sounds like. Love that song. Uh, the soundtrack is great. I love it. It's. It's. I, I'm not going to tell you how many plays on my iPod that right near, right now, right here, right now has uh, probably something like 40. But uh, anyway, so that's my number nine, Troy and Gabriella. My number eight favorite Disney couple, Lady and the Tramp. How do you go wrong with two dogs in love? It's just cute, right? It's just adorable. You could say Pongo and Perdita from 101 Dalmatians, but Lady and the Tramp is a great couple because. The world works against them. Nobody wants them to be together. And you've got these Siamese cats over here that are just evil. And you've got everything not working for the Lady and the Tramp. And yet they still get together. And you've got the iconic scene with the spaghetti. Um, my wife doesn't ever want to do that. I always suggest it. I'm like, hey, we have spaghetti here. Why don't you get some noodle and I get a noodle? And she's like, that's disgusting. No, let's never do that. So, you know, I have to live vicariously through Lady and the Tramp when it comes to romance. Number seven on my list of favorite Disney couples, Bob and Helen Parr, better known as... Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. Um, the opening of The Incredibles, which is my favorite Pixar movie, the opening of The Incredibles kind of shows their romance and how they get together. And they're just sweet and they're a family. They're, they're you know, I, I saw the movie. When the movie came out, I didn't have children. Uh, now I have kids. Now I have a six-year-old and I kind of see a little better into their world because they're sitting at the table and you got one kid splashing food and the other kid doesn't want to eat and another kid just bugging the sister. They're going back and forth and mom's like, Helen's like, I need your help in here. And, you know, I need your help with this, what's going on. He comes in, he's not even paying attention. It's a family, right? I love Bob and Helen Parr because, you know, they love each other. They risk their, their lives for each other at the end of the movie. So it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. If you've never seen The Incredibles, make sure you watch it because you've got to get ready Four Incredibles 2 coming out in June. It's going to be awesome. Number six on my list, Rapunzel and Flynn Rider. I love Rapunzel. She's my favorite princess. And, and as, as I mentioned before, she's one of the ones that I meet in the park. And I, I can't help it. I get a little a little verklempt. I get a little, like, uh, I, I, like literally tongue-tied. She, uh, she, and I don't, maybe I've told the story before, but, but last time, one of the times I met Rapunzel, we were talking, and she asked me to do the smolder like Flynn Rider does. And I tried to do the smolder, and we got a picture of it. And I look 
stupid. I look incredibly stupid. And, and so, um, I don't ever do, I can never do this molder. I'll never try to do this molder for, with Rapunzel again. And I was embarrassed. I was like, this is, I'm with my, my Disney dream date and I'm just making flubby smoldery faces. What is this? Rapunzel and Finn are great because, um, you know, they, they play off each other really, really well. Flynn Rider's a great character. One of the only couples you can meet at Disney World in the, uh, the, the Bon Voyage breakfast, you can meet Eric, Prince Eric and Ariel. You can also meet Flynn and Rapunzel. You don't really meet a lot of princes in the park. You meet a lot of princesses, but not a lot of princes, except for the Bon Voyage breakfast. And also you can do that at like Halloween parties and Christmas parties and stuff, the special events. Some of the princes are there for that. But otherwise, that's where you meet Flynn. Flynn and Rapunzel are great. Uh, I love both of them together. Number five kind of plays into that same thing. That's Meg and Hercules. Hercules is an underrated film. Now, some of it does not hold up. It's very pop culture uh, One of my problems with the movie Shrek, if you'll give me an aside, is the fact that it's very reliant on pop culture events. So if you're watching that movie now, especially if you're younger, you may not even get some of the jokes that are in there because they're so based on the day. They're so based on what's happening in that time. A lot of other animated films that aren't nearly as popular are like that. Um, you know, Nut Job came out not too long ago, and it's like that. And, and the Alvin and, and the Chipmunks movies, they're, they're very topical. You watch them years later, and it's like, I don't even know what, I'm, what, I'm, what that joke even means. Hercules has a little bit of that, okay? So it does have some of that. Very admittedly, some of the jokes do not hold up. But overall, it's a wonderful movie. It's a fun movie. I love Hercules. I love the story behind it. I love the, the romance with him and Meg, because Meg does not take any crap off of Hercules whatsoever. She barely takes any crap off of Hades, who is one of my favorite villains, by the way, voiced brilliantly by James Woods. Had he gotten an Oscar nomination for that performance, I would not have minded I don't think he sh he probably shouldn't have, but I don't think I would have minded at all because he was so good in that movie. Um, Hercules is a wonderful film, and the two of them together, Meg and Hercules, it's just it's fun. It is a fun, fun dynamic between these two, and I love Meg when she's just like, you know, so long, Herc. It's been a real slice, and she kind of walks away and does her hand with kind of motion. Of course, he walks away, and you go into the song, you know. Um, no chance, no way. I think I'm in love, uh, which is she realizes she likes it, but she can't tell him. And what kind of? I mean, that's that's every romance, right? I think I love you, but I don't know what to say there. And uh, uh, isn't that Sean Cassidy? Let's move on. Number four, Robin Hood and Maid Marian from 1973. I these guys are sweet. I mean, Maid Marian's a fox. Let me just tell you straight up, she is a fox. Um, but I love the story of Robin Hood. This was my first Disney favorite film, I guess. I've had a couple of quote-unquote favorite films since then, but Robin and Maid Marian are just wonderful together, and they're so sweet, and he rescues her, and you can just tell there's an attraction there, and just, it's it's wonderful, and the story is great, the movie is great, it's, I mean, it's a classic, and I think as time goes by, more and more people are talking about Robin Hood and recognizing Robin Hood and how good the film is, because a lot of people, you know, in their 30s, what's your favorite Disney movie? A lot of people will say Robin Hood, or that will be one of their favorites. Uh, so, Robin Hood and Maid Mary, number four. Number three on my list, you got to say Belle and Beast. Now, I've stayed away from most of the classics. Ariel and uh, Ariel and Eric are not on my list. Uh, Aladdin and uh, Jasmine are really not on my list. Either of my favorite Disney couples, but I do love Belle and Beast. Now, you can, of course, break this down and start getting to the dynamics of, of you know, what's, uh, you know, he looked better as a beast than he did Adam. And what kind of guy would you know, would, would, would uh, curse his whole family. And just, uh, there's a whole lot of little nitpicking you can do and things like that. But I love the couple itself. Animated classic, not the not the Emma Watson, uh, Dan Stevens version from that, from 2017, but the 1991 classic, Beauty and the Beast. Number three on my list. Number two, Carl and Ellie. I mean, I've, I've, I've said the joke before and I've heard the joke said and I completely believe it. Um, up, 
tells a better love story in that first eight minutes than Twilight did in four movies. That love story is so tremendous. And that is that is the epitome to me of the power of Pixar and the power of good storytelling. Because, you know, you meet them as little kids and then they grow up, they get together, they get married, and they have this great music playing. Um, it's wonderful. And, of course, tragic things happen to Ellie in the confines of this little musical segment, this little eight-minute eight musical segment. And it's just, it's it's devastating. And, like, you know, when I'm in the theater watching this movie, all around me I'm hearing, you know, people sniffling because they're crying because a cartoon just made you cry. And that's what Pixar does. I love Carl and Ellie and his love for her extends past her. And I'm, I'm going to spoil it because if you haven't seen it, shame on you. Uh, you know, past her death. It just extends throughout the rest of the movie. And, of course, that's kind of the dynamic of the character of Russell, the little kid. He figures out, Carl figures out, as an old man, he still needs people. He still needs friends. He still needs companionship. Even if it is, a, a you know, a 12-year-old boy that's kind of kind of looking at like a grandson kind of thing. So, um, so there you go. Uh, that's uh, Carl and Ellie, number two. Number one on my list, how could you not say Mickey and Minnie? mouse now they live in separate houses they have the same last name but they are not married one of the things that that uh, michael eisner wanted to do when he first came in to disney uh, disney company in like 1984 85 is he wanted to get mickey and minnie to get married they would have sponsorships and have a big wedding on tv and of course all the people at disney were like are you out of your mind let's not do that ever 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 so that's never happened but mickey and minnie have been a couple for a long long time and uh, you can't talk about Disney World couples without, or Disney couples without talking about Mickey and Minnie. So there's my 10 favorite Disney couples. What are your favorites? What are the ones that I left out? Make sure you email me, magicalonadollarpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Disney on a dollar. And now that's a little strange. You're thinking, why is it not Magic on a dollar? Long story. On Twitter at Disney on a dollar. You can also find me on Facebook in two places. Magic on a dollar. That's our fan community. Go on there and go 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 join Magic on a dollar and uh, talk to Disney people. Talk some Disney stuff with Disney people that would love it. But also Disney on a dollar, which is kind of the business page. That's where I put a lot of news up, a lot of links and things like that. You can find both of them there. And uh, don't forget to visit our sponsors, MyResumeLady.com. My good friend Amy Campbell. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's brilliant. She's intelligent. She does all that. She does LinkedIn. She does resumes, she does marketing, she does all that stuff for you. Contact her and say, hey, Amy, I got a problem with my resume, as in, it's terrible. I got a problem with my marketing, I need some help. I got a problem with my LinkedIn, I don't know what I'm doing, can you help me? And Amy Campbell will say, absolutely. She will definitely help you out with that. She has forgotten more about LinkedIn than I probably will ever know in my entire life. Um, because she's brilliant when it comes to stuff like that. That's what she does. And so MyResumeLady.com. You can also email her, Amy, at MyResumeLady.com. Let her know I sent you. Uh, the theme music that you heard, the theme music at the top of the show, Tim at MeshMedia.co. Tim Dumay is a guy who does uh, does uh, video presentations, audio presentations, and he put that together for me. So I've got to mention him. And also producer of the show, Remodeling Clay. Dot com. Go visit my good friend Clay Shaver. He's the host of the Remodeling Clay podcast. Episodes come out every Thursday morning. This past week was really good. It's a kind of an emotional episode. We kind of talked. He talked a little bit about uh, some tragedy that happened in his life and uh, some deaths in the family, things like that. So you know, it's it's a good show. It really is. It's kind of self help with a little bit of uh, sarcasm thrown in there just for good measure. So Remodeling Clay podcast. Find him at remodelingclay.com. And that is our show. That is episode number eighteen of the Magic Dollar Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, folks, again, my name is David Dollar, and I am so happy you listened this far in. Don't forget to tell a friend 
Go to iTunes and subscribe and rate the show. And, of course, share everything on Facebook. Let people know, hey, I listen to the show and I want you to listen as well. So that's our show. We'll come back next week with some more Disney fun. Don't forget to thank a Phoenician. <laughs>